What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoop Heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All of a sudden, the Wizards have won five straight games. Um, they pushed their record to 11-17 and 17 with that huge win against the Lakers that they just had. Um, absolutely crazy game. Uh, the Wizards ended up winning 127 to 124. Um, yeah, against a really, really good Lakers team. Yeah, they were missing uh, Schroeder and Anthony Davis, which obviously played a giant role into why the Wizards ended up winning the game. But you can only play the team that the other. You can only play against the other team that they put out there. I don't remember what the exact saying is, but something like that. Um, but yeah, that was an insane game. Um, Wizards' first overtime game of the season, I believe. And it was really exciting. Um, and it also is really late at night now. Um, so, yeah, let's get this uh, podcast underway. Um, so I definitely just want to go through the last like minute and a half of overtime and the fourth quarter. Um, just a run through of what happened. Um, if I can pull it up in my notes super quick. Um, where did I start? Okay, yeah, so... Um, Sorry, I just have to find it in my notes first, uh, where I started keeping track of all the plays. Um, yeah, so the first play was um, so with like 50, or it was less than a minute left in the game. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope just hit a huge three um, to tie the game. Um, and then and it was right after an offensive rebound um, from Kyle Kuzma, who kicked it out. KCP um, hit a pretty good look. Um, and then, so after that, um, the Wizards swung the ball around. Um, Denny Avdia um, hit a huge corner three. Um, and he had a pretty solid game tonight, um, especially for how he's been playing the past few games. 
And so it was Russell Westbrook um, got into the paint, got into the lane, and LeBron James um, helped off the strong side corner. I I would assume that LeBron James is smarter than that, um, but he. I would like. I guess that he helped because he was guarding Danny Avdia, who isn't the most reliable three-point shooter. Plus, the fact that he is a rookie with 50 seconds left in the game. So, I mean, it makes sense. Like, give up a Russell Westbrook layup or give up a Danny Avdia open three. Um, and Danny Avdia, to his credit, uh, hit the shot. Uh, 50 seconds left to put the Wizards up three, 114 to 111. Uh, Lakers called a timeout, and after the timeout, um, Lakers run a pick and roll at Davis Rutans. Um, and it eventually just flowed into a LeBron James eye, so they couldn't get anything out of the initial action. Um, and LeBron James tried a step back three from about like a tw- few feet off from the three-point line, um, and he ended up missing. Uh, so 30 seconds left in the game. The Wizards get the rebound, and um, it was Avdia, and then Caruso got in there and forced the a jump ball. Um, so with like 24 seconds left in the game, there's a jump ball. Um, it was Crusoe against Avdia. Crusoe won it really, really easily. Like, I think that there's technically a rule that you're not supposed to be able to tip the ball in the jump ball as it's going up. Um, and Crusoe obviously did that, but they like never call that in the NBA. Um, so Crusoe won the jump ball. Um, tipped right over to Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, and it led to uh, LeBron James getting a layup. Um, the LeBron or the ball went um, right to LeBron. In the um, jump ball, so not only did the Lakers win the jump ball, but they got it to LeBron. Uh, he just took um, Rui down into the post, uh, did a baseline uh, kind of drop step move, and did a couple pump fakes, and then just got the layup. Um, I mean, Rui one on one in the post against LeBron James is not an ideal matchup. Um, LeBron James is a little bigger than him, but um, that only pushed the lead to uh, one. So it was one fourteen, one thirteen, with about fifteen seconds left. And the next play, so the Wizards have an inbound. Um, they have Bertans and um, Bradley Beal on the court, and they give it to Russell Westbrook, who is like a 62.5% free throw shooter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he only made one of two free throws. Um, so with a 62.5% free throw shooter, the most likely outcome is that he's going to only make one. Um, and that is, he's going to make one of two. Um, because the likelihood of him making one is um, 62.5, and the likelihood of making him making two in a row is 62.5% of 62.5, so like 40%. Um, so 40% chance that you push the lead to three is not the greatest chance in the world. Um, so, But at least he made one um, to push the lead to one. Um, so, yeah, so, so lead is pushed to one. Um, I don't know why the tracking data on NBA.com has it wrong. Um, it was just a really, really weird sh- uh, play where it, um, the Lakers were running a sideline out of bounds. It looked like it was going to be some sort of play to get LeBron James like just a ball screen because that's what they've been doing like a ton late down the stretch. And LeBron kind of just looked up and noticed that he had Westbrook on him and just took Westbrook to the to the basket and made an and one shot. Um, so not only did the and one tie the game at 115, but LeBron James had a free throw to win, um, and or not to win, but to like push the lead to one with 10 seconds left, and he just missed. Um, and then the Wizards had one ATO to essentially win the game with 10 seconds left. Um, they set a double pin down for Beal, who was standing under the rim. Um, and this is also out of sideline of bounds. It flowed into a step up uh, pick and roll um, for. And it just Beal couldn't get all the way to the rim. 
Um, KCP did a really, really good job of defending this action. And he stepped back um, for a not great uh, shot. Like it was a three-pointer. It was like right behind the line. Like you in this situation where like points per shot doesn't matter as much as long as you just make the shot. Um, so like giving yourself like shooting a 22 footer at a high, like slightly higher percentage than shooting a 25 footer. Like ideally in this situation is a better shot when you're shooting with one second left. Instead of Beal opted for the awkward step back and it didn't fall. Um, but I mean, that's okay. You have the last shot. Like, you get the last shot for a reason. That's the strategy in this kind of uh, situation. So if you miss the shot, then worst-case scenario goes overtime. Best-case scenario, you win the game. And the worst-case scenario is you still have a 50% chance of winning. So that's, you know, perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, game goes overtime. So I definitely want to talk about the last-minute overtime because the overtime was also close and very exciting. So, um, yeah, I'll talk about like, the last one-and-a-half-ish minutes of the overtime period. So... With like, um, let's see. No, I got to start with the Bradley Beal reverse layup. Um, he just took his man off the dribble, made that insane uh, layup. I think he, so who was it? I think it was Contavious Call of Pope. Um, so the Wizards tried to set that side ball screen that they've been doing all game. Um, didn't work. Uh, the initial action didn't work. So Beal just took KCP right off the dribble, got into the lane. Um, made a ridiculous left-handed like reverse layup. Um, Kuzma could have been a step earlier in the help. Um, he was there, but like maybe half a step late. Also could have been more square between Bradley Beal and the basket, but that's kind of like nitpicking. Um, but yeah, Beal made a really, really tough shot. Uh, next play, I just tried to set a um, side ball screen for LeBron. Um, he just rejected it and got right to the rim against Rui. Like Rui just... Like he's a young guy. Uh, LeBron is old. He's been doing this for a while. He's in, he's a little bit more built than Rui. Um, so he got to the rim. He finished. Nice easy layup. Um, pushed him to 31 points on the night with that. And that was with one minute left. And I should have prefaced it by saying uh, Beal's layup pushed the Wizards' lead to four. And LeBron's layup um, that I just talked about um, cut the lead to two. And then the next play, um, the Wizards uh, just ran an action to get Caruso switched on to Beal. It was Breton's. Uh, setting a screen for Beal. Um, Caruso's a decent defender, so I don't really know why they were... I guess Caruso's not as good as a defender as KCP, but there are other guys out there that the Wizards could have headhunted, I guess, um, so to speak. Um, and that guy's name was Kyle Kuzma. Um, but Beal made a couple moves. Um, he got into the lane, and he just hit a really, really tough floater over um, as Caruso. Like, in that situation, Caruso played really good defense. Um, not much more you can ask out of him. But Bradley Beal just hit a really, really tough shot down the stretch. Um, so the next play, the Wizards just sprinted right down the court. And within six seconds, they got up a three. Um, it was just LeBron James sprinted down. Um, Contavious Carl Pope was sitting in the corner. He just ran off a handoff from LeBron and made a shot. Um, so that cut the lead from 125 to 121 to 125 to 124. Um, so one-point game. There was 30 seconds left. Um, yeah, and so, um, so the next play, the Wizards tried to run that... Um, that was it called. Um, the no, I'm forgetting the name of the play that literally ran every single time. Um, it was an empty side step up ball screen, um, and Bradley Beal got trapped on it. Like he didn't just get trapped; he got like triple teamed on it um, because it was Gasol who was um, at the level uh, containing as he did all game. It was the man KCP who was guarding Bradley Beal, and then whoever was guarding. Westbrook from the um, one pass away came over to trap. So it was like literally three guys trapping Bradley Beal. He made the right pass to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook got into lane, tried to throw a lob to Lopez um, or Rui Hachimura. It was 
it is or unconclusive, I guess is the right word for how that went. Um, and the Wizards got kind of bailed out, bailed out with a foul. The Lakers challenged because I mean, there's like 14 seconds left. Um, you have two timeouts and you have a challenge that you haven't used. You might as well use in this situation, especially with the questionable call. Um, but they didn't get the challenge. Um, so sideline of balance situation. Um, 14 seconds left in the game. Wizards are up by one point. Um, shot clock is off. Uh, Lakers have to foul. Um, so the Wizards ran a stack action out of the sideline of balance. Um, God Bertans the ball near the corner. Um, and for whatever reason, he didn't, he should just hold on to the ball. Like if we're talking about what would have given them the Wizards' best chance to win, but he passed the ball back to Russell Westbrook, who wasn't being guarded because he's the inbounder and he's Russell Westbrook and he's like the worst free throw shooter on the floor. Um, also Russell Westbrook was the best passer. So that's why he's inbounding the ball, which makes perfect sense. Um, but Westbrook gets the ball. He sees a wide open lane to the basket. He just cuts. He shoots a layup, but he gets fouled by LeBron. And he makes a layup, so he gets an and one to push the Wizards' lead to three points with 11 seconds left. And if he makes a free throw, the game is just over at that point. But he misses the free throw. Um, missing the free throw, LeBron gets the rebound, just runs on the court, shoots like this ridiculously deep pull-up three from, it was like 35 feet out. Um, he misses. Uh, Kuzma got the rebound. Kuzma missed this other ridiculous three that he shot. It was an air ball. And the Wizards won the basketball game. Um, they ended up winning by three points, 127-124. Absolutely crazy game. Um, really, really fun to watch. One of the more fun games the Wizards have played all season. Um, so, yeah, I, that took a longer than I thought it would to go through all that. So just to go through... Um, Coming into the game, the Lakers were 22-9 and with a plus 6.7 point differential, good for third in the league, um, 12th in offense and first in defense with a defensive rating of 106.3. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis didn't play in the game, so I tried, wanted to look at some stats um, without Anthony Davis and with LeBron um, to try to like filter out the bench because net rating gets kind of iffy when you look at bench lineups. Um, so the Lakers offense with LeBron and without Anthony Davis is 111.8, which is the 49th percentile, and the defense is... Um, 106.7, which is the 89th percentile. So their defense like barely even slips um, without Anthony Davidson with LeBron on the floor. And in this game, they played pretty good defense. Um, just going through the overview and the four factors type of stuff. The Wizards' um, offense rating in this game was 110.4. The Lakers was 108.8. Um, Wizards' effective field goal percentage, 53.6. Lakers, um, 54.3. Um, Wizards turned the ball over less than the Lakers. Uh, Lakers got more offensive rebounds. The, the Wizards got to the free throw line way more than the Lakers did, which is kind of surprising, I guess, uh, to say the least. Wizards got to had a free throw rate of 25, and the Lakers had a free throw rate of 10.6. So if you just look at the general four factors, um, turnovers and free throw rate was kind of the difference in this one. Um, and the Wizards, again, did an incredible job of getting to the rim and just making plays. Um, just to look at the game chart, um, got changed from shot player to shot zone. The Wizards shot 44% of their shots within three feet of the basket, um, which is a just distribution of 45.8%, which is like 17, 18% higher than they usually get. Um, and they made ex- like barely above league average from there. But to get there 44 times is a really, really incredible number. Um, and that's kind of the reason that they won this game. 
um, in terms of offensive production. Um, they're only 7 of 21 from behind the arc, 5 of 13 from mid-range, 5 of 14 from um, in the paint outside the restricted area, um, and then a combined 2 for 4 from the corners. The Lakers, um, they got into the lane a lot also, um, 34 times. They're 21 of 34. Um, 9 of 15 from mid-range, only 11 of 34 from um, above the break threes, and didn't shoot the ball great from the corners either. Um, just to, I do have to go through some of the box score stuff because um, some of them are, are pretty interesting. Um, Bradley Beal, plus 7 on the night, had an incredible game, 33 points on 28 and a half shooting possessions, so overall pretty efficient night for him. Russell Westbrook had a great game, um, 32 points, um, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. Um, thank God he didn't get to the stupid triple-double. Um, yeah, I don't like triple-doubles. Um, so he ended up with 31 points. Um, no, 32 points on 31 shooting possessions. So not an insanely efficient night, but um, for the way that this game was generally flowing. Um, and he got most of like a high, high majority of shots within the flow of the game. And like there weren't many shots where I was kind of rolling my eyes like usual. So really, really strong game for Russell Westbrook. Also, he was making plays defensively, which is something that I haven't seen at all from him. And he only had two turnovers. So overall, arguably his best game. I still don't think that was better than his Nets game. Um, but really, really strong performance from him. Rui was really solid tonight. 15.6 of eight from the field. Um, yeah, who else do I have to talk about? Um, Bertans um, couldn't quite find the stroke tonight, but made a couple big ones. He had eight points, um, two for seven from three, two of nine overall. Um, he shot a mid-range jumper um, alert. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Robin Lopez, 13 points plus 16 on the night in 30 minutes. He played really, really well. Um, five for eight from the field, uh, three for three from the free throw line. But obviously his biggest contributions come on the defensive end. Um, and then Howell Neto only had four points, but was plus five on the night. He played really, really, really good defense. He kept the ball moving on offense. He attacked closeouts. He made good reads. Um, he got on transition. Really, really, really good night from Howell Neto. That's basically like the perfect kind of off-the-bench guy um, that you could have. And like in this game in particular, he was really, really good. Um, LeBron James, not his strongest game. <laughs> Still had 31 points, um, 13 assists, 9 rebounds. Um, those 31 points came on 30 and a half uh, shooting possessions. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, 21 points, four for eight from uh, three-point land. Um, so 21 points came on 15 and a half shooting possessions, really efficient night for him. Montrez Harrell, uh, 26 points on 20 and a half shooting possessions, so pretty efficient for him. But he wasn't on the floor laying the game. I'll get into that in a second. Um, Crusoe had 11 points. He had a great night. Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, Wesley Matthews ended up with zero points. Um, any donuts from the Wizards? Alex Lennon only played four minutes uh, all in the first quarter. Uh, it's pretty interesting when Scott Brooks throws out all three of his bigs in the first quarter and just decides like who's playing the best on that given night and then just rides with them, um, which is actually a strategy that I love. Um, so yeah, I guess first player I do definitely have to talk about is Russell Westbrook. Um, I've been begging for Russell Westbrook to play more like this all season long. And he's finally starting to look like Russell Westbrook, um, which is really, really exciting because I've been saying like all season, the Wizards need Russell Westbrook to not be so like the Russell Westbrook is arguably like the most destructive player in the entire NBA this season. And he's starting to look up. Um, he had an incredible game tonight. Like I this if Russell Westbrook played this way all season long, I swear to God, the Wizards would would be in the play in be in the potential playoffs right now. Um he was great. Um, he took 17 shots at the rim. That I 
like that's got to be a season high for him by far. Um, 68% of his shots came at the rim. If I just pulled up, or yeah, I'll pull it up um, right now super quick. So um, Russell Westbrook, shots at the rim. This season, um, I think it's been the lowest of his career. If I'm not mistaken, I'm still pulling it up right now. Um, so percentage of shots at the rim this season, oh my God. Yeah, it's been his lowest by about 10 percentage points or seven percentage points. Um, so only 27% of his shots so far, uh, this season have come at the rim in this game, 68% of his shots came at the rim where he made 58.8 of them. Um, and 58.8 of his shots, like making 58.8 at the rim is like not incredible, but it's good enough to really, really boost your efficiency. Like 58.8% that gives you a really, really good points per shot number. Um, so just keep getting to the rim and also that gets you to the free throw line. I know Russell Westbrook struggled, but 6 for 12 on free throws, that's not good, but that's still efficient enough to make it so you're not hurting your team on those free throws. Like, that's one point per possession. That's perfectly fine, I guess. Like, that's not the end of the world to own, be shooting 6 to 12 from the free throw line. Um, like, he shot five shots from mid-range. Um, that, look, if Russell Westbrook shoots 17 shot, shots at the rim and five shots from mid-range, that's not nearly as bad as shooting... Um, more shots from mid-range than at the rim, which is what he's been doing in general this season so far. Um, so this season on all mid-rangers, he shot 53% of his shots from mid-range. 28% of his shots have come from long mid-range, which is um, shots outside of 14 feet, which is that's how uh, Clean the Glass defines it. And for Russell Westbrook to be shooting um, more shots from outside of 14 feet than shots within four feet, like this season so far, that's really, really bad. Like that's just terrible shot selection, especially because um, from long mid, which is defined as outside of 14 feet, uh, yet again, um, I believe it's 35%. Uh, let's see if the number's updated. It's 38% now, um, which is bad. Um, that's just, that sucks. Um, but inside of four feet, Russell Westbrook is 65%, which is awesome. Um, so just keep getting to the rim. Like have the mid-range game be a counter to when you get stopped at the rim. Don't have the being, going to the rim, be accounted to the mid-range game. And Russell Westbrook finally did a good job of that. And it is definitely, definitely, definitely not a coincidence that Russell Westbrook's best games have come when he shoots way less threes. He shot one three tonight. It was a wide open step into a catch and shoot three, like check the win type of shot. I'm perfectly fine with Russell Westbrook shooting a catch and three, catch and shoot three if he's wide, wide open in the flow of the game and not doing it like just pull up shoot threes like those are garbage the way that Russell Westbrook played tonight is the way he has to play all season if the Wizards want to make the playoffs because he was great like he this is the Russell Westbrook that I envisioned when the Wizards made the John Wall trade um and that's really really exciting that he's starting to you know come into his own um especially in this really really important juncture in the NBA season um I guess next I talk about is Bradley Beal he had his typical night um 33 points just I guess, so this is where I'll talk about the side ball screen, side ball screen. So like literally like every single play, the Wizards ran either a side ball screen with an empty side. Uh, all these were on the right side of the floor, um, which is kind of weird. Um, but they ran, mo well, not all, most of them, a majority of them on the right side of the floor. Um, usually you see those run on the left side of the floor. So then um, the ball handler can go inside to the right hand and then finish with his right instead of finishing with his left um, but on the right side of the floor we just kept running this empty side um, either it was a step up ball screen which is when um, the big comes and then he's parallel or I guess facing half court or a side ball screen where he's just facing the sideline um, 
and like pretty much every single time Montrezl Harrell or Marcus All was on the floor, the Wizards ran this, and they had an unbelievably high success rate of this um, because it's, it just seemed like it worked every time because the Lakers um, would bring Gasol or Montrezl Harrell up to the level of the screen, and Beal would be able to turn the corner on them. Like those two guys cannot stay in front of Bradley Beal, um, and especially like thirty feet from the rim. Uh, I don't know why the Lakers didn't adjust. I don't know why the Lakers didn't go small. Like, just take Marcus off the floor and play uh, Markeith Morris at center. It's not like you're that scared of, like, if you lose because Robin Lopez posts you up a thousand times, then fine. But if you lose because Bradley Beal scored 33 points and had a really, really good game, then as a coach, I wouldn't be able to accept that. Um, I feel like coaches don't have the same philosophy sometimes that I do, uh, which I don't know. Um, But Beal, um, he got into the... He got to the rim nine times, uh, finished five, three for five from uh, floater range, two for five from mid-range, two for five from uh, three-point land. So really um, spread out shot selection for Bradley Beal. But him getting to the rim, um, him turning the corner, set up other guys. Um, Bertans got seven threes, and they were all really, really good looks. Um, he just didn't hit them. Uh, Rui Hachimura got three uh, shots right at the rim, and they were all like pretty easy dunks and layups. Um, Robin Lopez got shots at the rim because of Bradley Beal attacking. Like all these guys, like Garrison Matthews got a couple looks from beyond the arc because Bradley Beal was attacking and Russell Westbrook was attacking. Like when these guys are attacking, the Wizards offense can be more difficult to stop. Um, and it looks a lot better with both of the, like with two guys who are attacking the rim, two guys that are creating for others. The Wizards offense, it just makes a world of difference. Um, just having Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal both attacking at the same time, both having good games on the same night. It was awesome. It was great to watch. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm going to, let's see how far into this we are, um, 23 minutes. Okay, yeah, so I am, I guess I'm going to go through my notes and then just see, because I took a lot of them in this particular game because a lot of stuff happened. Um, yeah, so something, so a few interesting plays, um, or I guess interesting things that happened. Um, the first or early in the game, the Lakers ran this really interesting baseline out of bounds where LeBron James was the passer. Um, he lobbed it over the top to someone at the top of the key. Um, he just came off uh, a double stagger, um, which like when you're guarding the passer, sometimes it's hard to keep track of, uh, the guy who is the, pa- is the passer, I guess. And, um, he got a wide open three point look. I don't think it went in, but it was a pretty good play design from Frank Vogel. Um, early in the game, Mo Wagner um, tried to post up Marcus Saul, which is literally the worst matchup I've ever seen in my life because Marcus Saul is like one of the best post defenders in the league, and Mo Wagner doesn't post up ever. Um, so yeah, Mo Wagner got stripped. Uh, Lakers got on transition. Oh, I actually forgot to look at the transition stats because um, transition was pretty big in this game. So in transition, um, oh wow, um, I thought that. Uh, the efficiency was going to be much higher, but points per play, Lakers were only at 76.9 and Wizards were at 104.8. That seems pretty low um, for how it seemed just watching it. I don't know how clean the glass defines transition, but that's interesting. Um, yeah, so back to my notes, I guess. Um, yeah, so I like wrote in my notes a couple of times that the Lakers are just getting on transition a ton and like finishing a lot. So I don't know. Hmm. That's interesting. Maybe they defined transition differently than I would in my brain just watching the game because 13.2% of their possessions came in transition, which seems really, really low. Um, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Um, I'll look into that. Um, 
So I wrote early in the game, it was the first quarter, we just having a lot of action, a lot of success with Nick's action and side ball screens with B on the left side. Um, they were also going to that on the left side early in the game. They kind of mixed it up going later, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, most of it was coming from the right side. But yeah, early in the game, it was more mixed up. And they were running that Nick's action where um, it's just a swing into a step of ball screen. And the Wizards absolutely love running that. I also wrote um, early in the first quarter, Westbrook looks aggressive and he looks awesome. Um, yeah, in terms of like whenever Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook had the ball on the perimeter, the Lakers' weak side help or just help in general is really, really conservative, like coming off guys. Um, they were not necessarily scared of the Wizards beating them by shooting threes, um, as they shouldn't have been. The Wizards' um, three-point attempts, they were 9 for 25, which is 36%, but like 9 for 25 isn't going to ever win you a game. Like that's a really, really low number of attempts for an NBA game. Um, contrast that to the Lakers, who were at 44 attempts, and they made 15 for 34.1%. Um, yeah, the Lakers missed some looks, but you know, that kind of happens when you shoot high variability shots, you get a high variability results. Um, frequency, the Wizards were in the 20 or the sixth percentile for three point frequency and the Lakers were in the 70th. So, you know, but if you don't have shooters and you can get to the rim so much, then get to the rim. Getting to the rim is a better shot than a three. Um, so keep getting there. Um, no problem with that at all. Um, take the shots that are available, the, the most efficient shots that are available, I guess. Um, yeah, the Wizards kept running side ball screen after side ball screen. At one point, I did note that a couple times in a row, they ran the side ball screen with um, LeBron's man in the weak side corner. So that's pretty suboptimal to have LeBron James as the guy helping from the weak side corner. Like, stick Kuzma's man there. And like, I don't know, someone else, like Caruso, who doesn't provide as much rim help. Stick anyone but LeBron there, please. Um, like, that doesn't make sense uh, to have LeBron James there. He's a little too smart for that. Um, so something that was interesting that the Wizards ran was they ran a, a ghost screen. So Lopez came up like he was going to set a screen for Russell Westbrook. Um, and he didn't, he caught the ball on the perimeter after he ghosted the screen. And then he was about to dribble into a DHO with Bradley Beal. Um, but it was a fake action, I guess, uh, so to speak. And Bradley Beal just cut back door. Um, and he got fouled, um, after he received the ball in the cut. Uh, that was a really, really good play design, um, combining a couple of fake, slash ghost actions from Scott Brooks. Um, and something that was weird in the second quarter, the Wizards were forcing Montrezl Harrell like really hard baseline, and but there was no weak side help from the baseline. Um, so you're kind of just helping him into a layup, which was really, really weird. Um, and then I wrote in my notes, like, I'm a sucker for just hammer screens. And the Lakers are so good at just like running, like setting hammer screens in the flow of their offense to get open looks, especially with like LeBron James just dribbling around at the top of the key or at the wing. They're so good at just flowing into that. Like, especially Marcus Saul is so smart. Um, yeah, that's really fun to watch when they get wide open corner threes from, well, not as fun to watch when you're rooting for the Wizards, but like when you're watching just as a fan or just like trying to learn something about basketball, I guess. Um, those are really cool to watch. Um, yeah, I wrote that Mo Wagner is way too foul prone. Like still, that was his, a huge issue for him last season. And it still is a huge issue for him this season. Um, he just does stupid things far from the rim. Like if you get a foul because you're contesting someone at the rim, like the, you live with that. But if you get a foul, like 25 feet from the basket while Marcus Saul is just dribbling along, like that's, that's just stupid. Like he has to cut that stuff out, um, to get more minutes, like, and to get playing time later in his career. Um, yeah, but. I'd still, I love the energy he brings. He just needs to bring energy in a smarter way. Um, yeah, I just have to... Oh, 
So at one point, Drew Gooden was talking about like, oh, you can't let uh, Montrez Harrell shoot mid-range jump shots. Like, um, that's definitely what you want. If Montrez Harrell shoots a mid-range jump shot every single possession, you're you're gonna win the game. Um, on mid-range jump shots, Montrez Harrell this season, um, in terms of long mid, is 39 percent. And in terms of short mid, he's actually 52%. But last season on a bigger sample, he's 40%. Season before that, 39%. Season before that, 47, uh, 42. Like he, if Montrezl Harrell is gonna make mid-range jump shots over you, you're gonna have to live with that. Like you, you can't just let him go baseline and <laughs> like finish at the rim. He's 75% finishing at the rim. Why would you? Why would you have, rather have him? Good to the rim and finish, then shoot a mid-range jump shot. That didn't, like some of the things Drew Gooden says is wild. Um, that thing didn't make sense. Um, yeah, but Lopez on Harrell is not a good matchup just because of the foot speed advantage that Montrezl Harrell obviously has. Um, yeah, so something that I found interesting was that when LeBron James had the ball on the wing, the Wizards were pre-rotating help all the way to the other side of the lane, basically leaving a three-on-two on the weak side. I thought it was pretty interesting that LeBron James just like didn't take advantage of that considering how good of a passer he is. Like if he just got took one dribble and then could pick one of the three guys he knew he was going to be open. Like I feel like I don't know. I don't know why he didn't do that more. I feel like LeBron like he's kind of lounging around this game like let's be honest like that wasn't the fullest extent of LeBron James in that game. Um But yeah, he didn't. Um Let's see. Um, and that's most of what I had. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing I'll talk about is that since the, like the Wizards literally ran side ball screens, like every single play, um, that there's no way that would have worked with Anthony Davis out there. The Lakers would have just so easily put Anthony Davis at the five and just completely thwarted everything the Wizards were trying to do offensively and just easily would have won the game. But that didn't happen because you, they didn't have Anthony Davis, which is great. Uh, for the Wizards, but I'm excited to see them play tomorrow against the Clippers with finally a full team. The last bunch of, like, the last group of teams that, the, like, the Wizards were in five games in a row, but the last bunch of teams they played have been missing their guys. Like, um, if I'm, uh, I want to pull up the Wizards' schedule, because I don't want to get these games wrong, just listing them out. Um, why did I search up, I want to look up Wizards' schedule. It's like 1.30 in the morning here. I don't usually stay up late past, like, I usually go to sleep pretty early. So this <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna make some mistakes here. It's late. Um, cut me some slack. Um, so they beat the. Here are the five games that the Wizards have won. Um, they beat the Celtics without Marcus Smart, who's a huge piece of what they do defensively and offensively in terms of secondary creation, especially off the bench. Um, they beat the Rockets without four of their five best players. They beat the Nuggets without two of their four best players and another key rotation guy. Um, so three of their seven best players. Um, they beat the Trailblazers without two of their three or four best players, without uh, McCollum and Nurkic, like depending on what you think of Robert Covington, I guess. Uh, and then they beat the Lakers without their second best player, who also happens to be a top 10 player in the league, and Dennis Schroeder, who's one of their probably four or five best players. Um, so, <laughs> like, they're beating a bunch of beat up teams here. Like, you got to give them credit. Like, yeah, they've been winning games, um, but they, I want to see them play some an actual team. I hope everyone on the Clippers plays. I don't think the Clippers played tonight. Um, I'm checking right now. They did not play tonight. So they're coming off a, a day's rest. I hope everyone plays. Um, after the, they play the Wizards, they have another day's of rest. I want to see the Wizards play against a whole, like a full squad, see if they can win. They were able to exploit the weaknesses of the other teams that they've been playing because they didn't have all their guys. When, again, you can only play the 
team that the other side puts out there. But I want to see the Wizards play a full team. Um, and we're finally going to get that challenge today, I guess, because uh, it's already 1.30. Um, yeah, so I guess the last couple of things I want to talk about, um, the playoff chances. I don't know how, when this gets updated um, for cleaning the glass, or not 5.38, um, but their Raptor forecast um, has the Wizards at a 3% chance of the playoffs. Um, the ELO forecast has the Wizards at a 8% chance of the playoffs. Um, which isn't great, but the Wizards throughout this win streak have already pushed themselves to like only one and a half games out of the playing game at this point. I think um, if NBA.com would ever refresh, I would know the answer to this. Yeah, so from the 10th seed, Miami, the Miami Heat right now are the 10th seed. They are 14 and 17. The Wizards right now are the 13th seed, and they are 11 and 17. So the way games back works is that every win back you are like every less win is half a win back and then every more loss is half a game back so the Wizards have zero more losses and three less wins so that's um 0.5 times three which is 1.5 so the Wizards are only 1.5 games back of the playing spot but you really want to be in that eighth seed where the Bulls are at right now they're 14 and 16 so the Wizards are only two games back of the eighth seed um and there's still tons of games to be played um the Wizards have only played 28 games and there's 72 games in the season so there's still 44 games left for the Wizards to be played and they're only two games back I feel like the ELO and the Raptor projections are they're kind of low 8% and there's you're only two games back at the eight seed like come on now um but yeah definitely excited and the last thing I last last thing I want to talk about is in my notes um I wrote down the win percentages according to ESPN um that the Wizards have had in the last three games so against the Nuggets, at one point, the Wizards' percent to win was 6%. Against the um, Trailblazers, at one point, the Wizards' win percentage was 13%. And these are at their lowest points, obviously. And then um, at one point against the Lakers tonight, it was in the third quarter, the Wizards were down like 17 points, maybe 13, something like that. Um, their win percent went percent chance to win was 2.9%. So there's this really interesting thing that gets talked about on nerd Twitter called the rubber band effect, um, where once a team gets up by a lot of points um, and, or a team gets down by a lot of points, um, the point differential kind of goes down and down and down, um, usually to an extent where the other team doesn't start winning, but to an extent where it's like instead of a 20 to instead of a, or when it's a 20 point game, it usually doesn't extend to a 30 point game. It ends up at like a 10 point game. Um, and that's pretty much the general theory of the rubber band effect. Like the Wizards have like the most elastic rubber band in the history of rubber bands where it always just flows back into a good game. Like the Wizards seem to always be losing by like 10 to 20 points at some point in every single game. And every single game seems like it's kind of close towards the end. Um, and I think that's really interesting if someone ever wants to explore that. I might do that uh, at some point. But yeah, that's all I got. This podcast was pretty long, but it was a really, really good game. Um, so yeah, if you <laughs> made it this far, then congratulations. But um so, yeah, definitely check out uh, the Wizards Clippers at 10 o'clock. I'm going to have a podcast coming out um, that night or the next day. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started.
Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.